0: Well, somehow we've made it to season four. And today we're talking about AI. We didn't know what the hell we were talking about, so we brought in someone who does. And what the results were, were unbelievable. All that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men podcast.
1: They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Mad
0: Men with Nick Constantino and Trip Joe. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. This is going to be a unique episode. Uh, I don't know how many of you out there have seen Memento. But we're gonna memento this puppy. We are with Jason Tatum of CallRail, not of the Boston Celtics. We've will you'll catch up with that later in the episode. What happened is we were initially recording segment two and three, but in that recording, came up with probably an ingenious life-altering, changing like changing of the continents idea uh, on an experiment. We carried out the experiment, and we're gonna start the episode by talking about the experiment. So, Jason, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be here. So. We were talking about, this, this episode pointed us towards, in addition to everything else CallRail does, dynamic number placing and attribution and closing the loop, all the different things, AI came up, and it happens that their AI is audio-based. And as a radio station, everything we do is audio based. So um, the quick version, and I will let Jason go into more detail because I'm going to botch it, is we ran an experiment of audio for commercial advertisers who have succeeded and succeeded as broad, but mostly they've renewed. They stayed with these radio stations and then ones that didn't now million variables as to why success did or didn't happen, but we kept the, the, we tried to get the scale large enough, 40, 50 commercials to get rid of some margin for error. So uh, I have not seen the results yet. So Jason is here to walk through the experiment, explain a little bit about how this technology worked, and then read some results from said experiments. So I'm curious to see how this goes. So give it to me.
2: Well, let me tell you what the ones and zeros said about your effective ads. We'll start positive. Effective ads, uh, you gave me, I think, 50 of each, right? Yep, something like so, that. So we analyzed 50 uh, uh, in our model and came back with the effective ads are concise and to the point. They establish c- credibility. They're local, trustworthy businesses. They make an emotional connection. They speak directly to the interests of the target audience. You use humor and in inside references tailored to the audience. Wow. Promote limited time offers and deals, which people like. Focus on benefits and solutions for the listener.
0: So for the record, and I'm not tuning my own horn here, Marketing 101, all of those things are elements that require you to do something and elicit some sort of emotional response. And ironically, data can't elicit an emotional response. It's why radio is a good medium. You can do imagery, you can do inside jokes, right? It's hard to do that with internet advertising. So that's, that's amazing. What about the not so good? Not so good. Okay, so
2: I hate to tell you this. Yeah, They're too long and wordy. And they contain irrelevant details.
0: Love it. I, I, as a marketing guy, I'd love it because some of this stuff is innately, you know,
2: right? That's why they didn't succeed. If you're wordy or keep going, pushy sales pitch, overly promotional language. Interesting. How does that make you feel? It
0: makes me feel like we know why they canceled. And that if we <laughs> stick with the ones that work. So look, the, the goal of this was exactly that. So when we meet with clients, we're like, look, we did this experiment. We know that these. this is what works in commercials. So how do we write commercials that elicit these responses or do these things? Yeah, exactly. And that is the plan. So let's give you guys some... what how else would you apply this? So in your business, when you're meeting with people, when you're talking about marketing attribution and making sure marketing's working, how do you apply these techniques to your business? Um, Because I wanna make sure you guys get credit due here because this is not simple stuff, but this is something that can be incredibly powerful for most businesses. Talk about how you'd use data sets. It doesn't have to be these exact ones to accomplish a goal for a marketer.
2: All right, so you're a marketer who you're held accountable to the leads that you drive, right? you're driving leads, you're driving quality leads, quality leads that turn into uh, dollars and cents, real, real good customers, yep. right? Whatever that looks like, whatever your business, whether you're a plumber, whether you're a, um, a marketing agency working for Main Street, you're a lawyer, a doctor, it doesn't matter, you know, the candlestick maker, like it's all the same thing, right? And so typically a good marketer who is trying to optimize their ad spend to get leads the most efficiently, right? So you're not just trying to get leads, trying to get good leads. You're not just trying to get good leads.
0: Bad leads waste people on the call's time. They cost money from certain sources, and if they're not coming in, just as a click, but no one does anything. So you're trying to optimize the lead sources to be good leads. Yes. For many reasons.
2: And you're not just – here's the thing that in in all businesses, to a certain extent, unsustainably, but to a certain extent, you can buy leads, Right. right? You can buy leads but in the digital world, you could buy anything. Right.
0: Views, listens, reviews. I mean, anyone that thinks otherwise is crazy. The, the world is easy, but most people have gotten discerning and to tell the difference.
2: Yes. Uh, and and you, what you have, ultimately leads, but good leads, but efficiently, right? Yep. And the efficiently is super important. Yeah. So what happens is a good marketer, especially those that are trying to drive uh, conversations and understand from the conversations what worked and what didn't work, they're also listening for uh, why did they convert? Why did they not convert? And then they realize like, oh, the guy on the phone is botching it, right? Yep. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're yep. not saying what they're so supposed to do. It say. wasn't
0: necessarily the lead was bad. It was that the what was used to convert the lead was bad. Yeah. There's a king,
2: there's a chain something in the chain is broken. You're trying to find what part of the chain is broken. Yeah, there's a funnel, right? And where, where's it breaking? And so whether you're a business owner, whether you're the marketer in a business or an agency, you usually are gonna want the same thing. You're gonna want visibility. You're gonna want insight. And what it used to be was is that it was like, okay. Great, you get off phone call. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up and listen in, right? And then VoIP technology came around, and you start to be able to monitor calls. You could even whisper in coaching, right? But what people found was like, I don't have the time. Yeah, to monitor. Enough yeah. calls, right? Yeah.
0: And and it, most importantly, this is important for scaling your business, right? If you have three people answering the phone, four texts, you could probably do that alone. But to scale your business, these are systems you need to implement to be able to scale the business in the first place.
2: That's right. And so then you say, okay, l- can I record the call? Right? Okay, we record the call. I'll listen to them in my own time. I'll do it at 2x speed, yada, yada. But even that human is able only able to listen to so many phone calls efficiently, right? Like there's no scalability yep. there without... Filling up a whole, you know, farm of deaths. Yeah, and, and I people also listen. imagine
0: if you're not doing this in real time, something is lost. Because if you're doing it three weeks down the road, so much could have changed in those three weeks that your your margin for error just increases of what really is effective and what is not.
2: That's exactly right. And so so eventually that leads to like, well, can I get a transcript? Okay, can I get a good transcript? Okay, and now you still are limited. By how, my, how many transcripts can yeah. you read? Yeah. How many transcripts can yeah. anybody read, especially anybody with any knowledge of yeah. the business?
0: Now you have the data laid out, but you have nothing processing it. Yes. You're the, you're the time that's required to process it. No offense, laying out data is easy. Processing it is, is
2: not. Yes. So what if there was technology available now that does all of that for you in an instant at scale, right? What if you could analyze a uh, 100 of your, of your uh, ad campaigns and give back the insights that you need to know to understand like what worked, what didn't work and what maybe should you do? Right. Yep. That's, that's the world that we're entering in. Right. And, and some of this can be like coaching an agent. Right. And it's one thing when your, your manager sits down and tries to coach you and you may think that your manager hates you and that there's bias wrapped around this, but it's different when, this is ones and zeros. Right. This becomes you objective.
0: You make this the fact because this is proven by a sample size. And it's, and again, it, the machines can't be subject. They can't dislike you because they don't like you. Yes.
2: So I want to caveat one thing because uh, you brought it up, marketing 101. And if you're a marketer, this stuff is, if you're a good marketer, this stuff is intuitive. Yeah, It's the kind of stuff that if you were to go to uh, a big ad agency's website and you wanted to Look around. You might have to, like, get your email in to get a white paper to read some of this stuff, right? That if you've been in the game long enough, it's just second nature. But people go to business school to learn this stuff, right? So imagine this stuff that is second nature to somebody who's tenured and knows what they're doing. But then we take, at scale, 100 episodes, 100 ads, feed it through, and uh, the model says, based on these examples, effective ads for this audience should be short, simple and conversational, establish trust and credibility as a local business, appeal emotionally with humor, sports references, etc., promote special deals, focus on benefits and solutions for the listener's needs and avoid overly salesy, pushy language and above all, target sports fans specifically with relevant messaging. I love it. The most effective ads seem to come from local, credible businesses and connect with the audience through an emotional appeal, shared identity, humor, et cetera.
0: I love it. And one of the things, and it's so nuanced, but notice they didn't say discounts. Mm. special deals, okay? Here's the biggest problem you have in a lot of marketing. That's a good point. They go to you and they say $100 off. And it's like, oh my God, but if you go to the website, it's $100 off. You don't feel special at all. So special deal is only for 6AFN listeners, blah, 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 blah. So there is a way to delineate that. And that's important because there's a difference between a coupon-waving person and someone who's looking for a special deal. Those are different things. They're very different things, right? So um, I I cannot believe that's what it spit out. And I, I if I was to just th- throw stats out that I think Probably a lot, I've been doing this for 25 years. I would probably throw out a lot of those things, but I would never, and one more caveat, I think that's important. Your outputs are as important as your inputs. And I took a lot of time to discern what I believed was good performing and bad performing. So if you went into this, just throwing stuff against the wall, it is gonna be less functional. But once those parameters are set, you're easy for the future, right? If every commercial you do, you just drop into one of two buckets in real time, that takes two seconds. Then all of a sudden you have these huge data sets of inputs that you could turn into outputs.
2: And I want to make a converse point to that, right? You spent time and energy to curate this the right way. You could have gotten all these insights yourself, 25 years of experience. You would have had to go back and listen, take notes do all the things that have taken you, you know, a couple of hours probably more, way more than that. So we did it. In, we did it in minutes. I don't know, minutes, and, and the important thing to know is that if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, this sounds like he just bullet pointed this stuff out. It sounds like a human wrote it. It doesn't sound yeah. like it doesn't sound like Clippy and my Microsoft program. Like this is this is we did not edit this. Yeah, this is not doctored. Yeah. And the other thing that's really important. Is that we didn't even really try that hard to get any particular response out of it? Yeah, like we did like kind of the bare minimum with it and got this output. And so what you're going to see is is very quickly over time, just even the most generic prompts are going to get smarter and smarter and smarter. Yeah, and then when you know what you're looking for and you can ask more intelligent human questions of the models, you're going to get more and more. Um, insightful information that's gonna help you run your business better. Yeah. And it's gonna save you time and money yeah. and and give you a lot of the things that um that that now take a lot of time and money to do.
0: Yeah, uh, honestly, Jason, this has been awesome. So uh, we're going to send out a lot of content about this. I'm going I'm to show your work guy, so I'm going to show the spots we did. I mean, this was a real experiment, and honestly, like we will show the method that went behind this because, again, you're right, it's easy to just pretend like you did this stuff. So um, check LinkedIn, check Facebook. We're going to put a lot of this data out. Um, you're probably hearing about it first. We're going to probably release this stuff after the fact. But you've been listening to the Marketing Man, Man on Extra 106.3, and we'll be right back.
3: Right now. American heroes are in some of the most dangerous places on earth, risking their lives to protect our freedom. But there are a forgotten group of heroes here at home. They face fear, loneliness, and despair, the ever-present threat of losing a loved one. These are the brave sons and daughters of the U.S. military, and they are heroes too. American Bible Society brings the hope and comfort of God's Word to the kids that need it most. Honor a hero and donate today at AmericanBible.org slash hero.
1: Every three minutes, a person in the U.S. is diagnosed with a blood cancer like leukemia, lymphoma, or myeloma, blood cancers that often require patients to endure difficult treatments that leave them feeling weak, cold, and isolated. Subaru of Gwinnett is here to help. Since 2016, Subaru has partnered with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, a cause that FAN has been proud to support for over 24 years, and in the month of June through our Subaru Loves to Care initiative, we're continuing our partnership with LLS to give even more to patients and their families. Subaru, more than a car company. Visit SubaruofGwinnett.com to learn more. Now back to the Marketing Madmen on Extra 106.3 FM.
0: Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Nick Constantino here. And today, before I even introduce my guest, let's make it clear. He does not play for the Boston Celtics. Uh, we had to get that there because the name aligns. And we have Mr. Jason Tatum from CallRail. So not to get anyone disappointed, I didn't get I don't have that much clout yet. We don't have that much pull. They were pulling a six foot eleven power forward that can dribble the ball and score 32
2: a game, probably potential future league MVP. Now we go. Jason, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's a good thing it's radio uh <laughs> because I look just like Jason Tatum. Same vertical Ravishing. leap, I everything. Tell. All the those things deal. are accurate. That's theater of the
0: mind, baby. That's right. theater of the mind. Um so So, Jason, let's talk a little bit about CallRail, because before we go into the marketing benefits, before we go into some of the AI and the tech, I think it helps to have some history lesson uh, and why it's such an important company for Atlanta.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, Andy Powell, uh, our founder, Georgia Tech grad, local guy, uh, he'd gotten into uh, early career marketing, SEO, SEM, that whole deal, had an insight. He loved uh, BMWs. He had a BMW. He found that it was really hard to find... Uh, shops that would work on yep. BMWs have the parts be ready to go. So he had this idea of starting a directory, kind of like a Yelp, but specifically for people looking for shops that service BMWs. Yeah, it's called Bimmer Shops. Cool. Fun fact: Bimmer is what you call the car. Beamers is a motorcycle. I've had to learn that lesson several times. So he starts Bimmer Shops, this directory, and what he does is he goes and gets shops to place ads. Hey, you promote your shop on my site. And so the guys that are running these shops says, "Listen, I'm getting phone calls, I'm getting leads, but how do I know that your thing is driving driving these these new leads?" And so he went about the search of call tracking. Now, call tracking was a technology that had been around for sure. a while, but it was hard. It wasn't sure. easy to set up, wasn't Give easy to Give us some time do. frame on
0: years here.
2: Yeah, I think I think call track, the original call tracking enterprise probably started in the 80s, but this is like 2000 and Ten, two thousand eleven. So, so
0: the tech for dynamic numbers was there, but we weren't. We were in its infancy phase, to say the least.
2: Yeah, especially in the eighties, talking about offline source, sure. right? Give me a, I mean, the primitive version is give me a phone number that that's just for slapping on a billboard or just slapping on a radio ad, that kind of and thing. And that that would go to a phone that would ring on that line. So you're like, right. Mark,
0: check. Check which would require a receptionist or someone to know to keep track when there's 60 calls coming in. They're actually marking it still at its best in its infancy.
2: Yeah, that's right. They're running, you know, something on uh, uh, Lotus123 telling them, you know, how many calls they got to each number. And then that's how they attribute what's driving leads. Uh, So he comes around and says, okay, I'm going to institute call tracking for uh, this company that ran Vimmer Shops. And then it took off, it was proving that he was driving leads for these auto shops and then he's like look this industry this industry is perfect for helping businesses like these those that are reliant on driving phone calls uh but it's not easy to do it's not easy to set up and this is about the time that another local company mailchimp is starting to blow up and if you remember those days if you were in email marketing emails were tough to do right email mailchimp came along made it easy low barrier to entry And Andy kind of looked at that and said, why don't we do something very similar for call tracking? And it took off from there.
0: Yeah. And I think the advantage is if you fast forward to now, uh, Emails are still very impersonal. They're very blown off. I mean, it's to the point now where you, you you look at a product and you're getting emailed 600 times from that same company. And most people don't understand the dynamic association with numbers and how everything just works together. But ultimately, I think calls are making a little bit of a resurgence. I mean, right. from a standpoint of people want calls. They don't trust their Google leads. They want calls, which honestly leads itself really well to radio is because we're one of the few mediums that still lives on, hey, call and say you heard your on Eric talent talking about it. Um, but all right, so we have CallRail established. We have kind of why they started. Um, talk about the early stages of a company and what you were doing, because once you start bringing AI in and all of these different tools, this is a completely different beast. So give just some brief of the first couple of years, um, and then let's fast forward to, to what you guys are doing today.
2: Yeah, so early days, it really was about how do we make technology accessible and easy to use for the types of businesses that haven't been able haven't had the accessibility to utilize this technology right so think of the businesses that are running phone calls right a lot of times people that that don't know what they're talking about will come up and say well isn't aren't phone calls dying right it's like go down main street and ask the lawyer i always say the butcher the baker the candlestick maker if phone calls are dying and just like what you said those are their best quality leads. Yeah. Those are calling because if you are trying to talk to a lawyer or call your dentist or you trying to, you whatever it is, an urgent need. Most of the times you have an urgent need for it. That's why you're calling. And you need to be able to convey certain things that you can't do through a chat or through a form. Right. And so it was all about understanding that that's how businesses run. That's how these businesses operate. And how do we make that really easy for them to set up? Right. It should not, you should not need to know how to code to get value out of it. You should not have to like go through this huge process to buy a phone number. It was all about um, what we call product-led growth. Make it super simple to sign up. As few barriers as possible, make it easy to buy a phone number, make it easy to get it on your uh, site. And see the results
0: almost immediately. Because that's one of the things is like, oh, that's all great. But if you're not set up to immediately see the results, one of the problems with most marketing mediums is people expect that right now. Nothing works that way. Right. So the advantage you guys have is you can show your results and what you're doing almost immediately that, look, we're showing these leads are coming from here. And you can assort where good leads are coming from and bad leads
2: are coming from and which marketing is working. That immediacy, I have to imagine, works for you guys favor. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have a 14 day free trial and uh, we have great conversion rates. People see the value uh, very quickly. Uh, You can set up a phone number that fast. You can get it to be tested. You can get a a trial campaign and market really quickly and start to see the value that quickly that people are willing to put their credit card down in 14 days.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And I think to to go into the now, let's set up a hypothetical scenario because I'm familiar enough with you guys. So I'm a home improvement company. Uh, I have about 12 trucks going out. I'm doing about $10 million in revenue. Uh, I still have my sister-in-law answering the phones and marking down with a piece of paper where the calls are coming from. I'm doing pay-per-click. I'm not that sophisticated at it. Tell me why I would use CallRail, and tell me what kind of system you would accept for me to better monitor how my marketing is working.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So The first thing we would say is, every truck have a different phone number on it, every piece of collateral, every marketing campaign. Be able to track what's driving those phone calls through different phone numbers, right? But the best thing to do is every website, every landing page, uh, you put a small piece of code. You don't need to learn how to code. You just need to know how to uh, you or your web web person to put a piece of code on your website on every page that you want a phone number to swap in, and we will actually be able to give each visitor a unique phone number. And so when they call in, we'll have the session data to say, oh this person, they came, they clicked a Google ad, and we can take the Google uh, click ID. We can associate with their whole session and build a whole buyer journey. And so you don't need to sit down and mark or ask somebody how they found you or any of those very, very imperfect methods. You can empirically, automatically, losslessly say, oh, okay, I can attribute this phone call right back to this Google ad that cost me this much uh, for the keyword, and then you can start optimizing, right? You can start uh, in aggregate, start understanding what's driving the most quality leads what's driving the most efficient leads, and then start putting your eggs in those baskets.
0: Yeah, and I love it. And look, we're talking, to make this work at its best, we're talking you have to be pretty sophisticated, right? Because you want to talk lifetime value. It's not just how easily you convert them, what do they spend? How much resource did you put towards that spend? You know, there's things we have in the radio station that are, we have attribution models that are sending people to a website. Can you track the radio website visits back to the call visits? There's a million things. It's complicated, sophisticated, Mm -hmm. but at its core, it is usable, zero, and first-party data, which helps you make smarter decisions, what you do with that information, everybody's probably different. You probably have some clients that get it right away and are just booming with it. You probably have some clients like, look, this data's worthless if you're not gonna do X, Y, Z. Um, So I have to imagine that the the range of clients that you have also complicates things a little bit.
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, so we get people that call us every day that are asking, uh, hey, help me track my boyfriend's phone calls. I think he's cheating on me, right? (laughs) So we get those calls. Uh, and then we get the very sophisticated. Mar- we have large marketing attribution companies that are using us uh, with their clients. But then we work with uh, you know builders and uh, you know doctors' offices and real estate shops and the whole gamut. And it, it can be uh, it can be a little bit intimidating at first, but it's really not that hard. It really only takes a few minutes to get set up, uh, and you're able to know hey. Google ads are driving this, Facebook's driving this, my mail campaign's driving this, uh, and you're able to start growing and and stop wasting money really fast. Yeah,
0: and I think, you know, because we deal a lot in the attribution game, and what I try to tell people is like, look, this attribution tool is not always a performance measure, it is a campaign optimizer. So maybe you are just doing your Facebook ads the wrong way and you have to reword your ads to better manifest what you're trying to accomplish. Exactly. So, And I think this also forces you to have a better understanding of what it is you're trying to accomplish. A lot of times people do these things because they think they have to or because their buddies are doing it or their competitors are doing it. That's not always the case, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I always love it. My favorite thing on earth is when we have a radio campaign and we say, hey, what went wrong okay they let's say they want to cancel opt out they go well no one called and i go well you didn't put a phone number that's right so what are you expecting somebody to do if you didn't give a phone if you put a website there you're giving them the call to action to go to the website if you want them to call you need to give a reason to call you okay when they call are you answering because if it goes to a messaging services they're never going to call again so i think one of the things that i really appreciate when it's done the right way of systems that you guys put in place it it is a self-awareness journey and there's the business owner who's going to make every excuse in the world and blame everybody themselves but there's also the person who's going go, okay how do i optimize my systems around the data in which i am being fed and i think any of that data is good data i also think just knowing your guys' product is a very reasonably priced product for what you offer. Because one of the problems nowadays is every different marketing asset has its own attribution measure, which costs more money. So ultimately driving down the effectiveness of your overall marketing. Okay. Which ironic that you say that because it's like, oh, we're saving you money, but how are you saving me money if you're charging me money? Mm -hmm. But I think that you guys strike a really good balance because you are not providing any marketing. You're not measuring yourself. You are a impartial piece of information here that is helping somebody optimize how they're going about
2: their business. That's exactly right. And our our pricing model is such that you get value out of our software, your phone calls are gonna grow. You're gonna need more numbers, you're gonna consume more minutes. It every scales month. with the business. It scales with the business. You grow, we grow, everybody's happy. And I can tell you that when the world shut down a few years ago. I remember and, it very well. Yeah, you, you, I don't know. There was something <laughs> yeah, going around. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. I was in sports radio, and there was no sports, and there was nobody in their car. Right, it was yeah. great days. Yeah, there was a little thing going around, and everybody got we everybody got kind of scared, you know? Like, what are what are businesses going to do? What are they going to keep? What are they not going to keep? And we were, I wouldn't say surprised, but we were validated to see that on balance, Most of our customers saw CallRail as an essential part of their business to run functionally, right? It wasn't expendable even in the uh, scariest of times.
0: Yeah. And I think that, again, has to do with the two parts. One, you were built to scale with them because one of the problems, like, look, let's call it what it is. Google and Facebook own their own algorithms to which they can charge you whatever they pretty much want to for whatever service that they're giving you. Exactly. Right. So what do I mean? Well, if they tweak an algorithm that affects the home improvement industry, they can jimmy up the cost of that without you ever knowing whether it's fair or not. I mean, there's there's words coming out now that YouTube was just filling their own ads just to get money to, to clear the books. I mean, it's it's a dirty business. So ultimately that might be why it's the, it's expendable for you guys what you're doing you're taking the data that is coming in you're doing a, either a lot of processing of it or a little bit a little bit mean you make the decisions but you guys also have AI software that can measure effectiveness of calls and, and become much more b- if you need that and right. I think that's the part the scalable like it works here but if you need more it's here right and that's not what a lot of companies offer they don't give you those full level because they want you always at the top yeah right in my experience again with you guys, you're as a happy to get you someone at the bottom because you see how effective it is for them as that person at the top because that doesn't always matter. So your scalability within a customer also helps a lot, I think.
2: That's exactly right. Another thing to know about Google and Facebook and uh, Microsoft and any other ad platform is that the attribution models that they're giving you are biased towards them, right? They are completely, right, <laughs> this, they're completely designed uh, to show the value of their ads. That's why Last Click is such a big deal in those things, right, is you're getting... The most direct, the Google ad that they clicked, right? Using a tool like CallRail is agnostic. You get a a sense of the whole picture, uh, and a more fair view.
0: Yeah, and I honestly, I you can imagine I have these conversations a lot. And one of the biggest things that I find amusing is that not only are they taking giving more credit to themselves, but they're taking credit for everybody else's work. So, for example, you buy a Mercedes, okay? They're like, "Well, it was our click." Like, no. Mercedes has marketed to every person since they were five years old it is an aspirational purchase in which they've invested hundreds of billions of dollars to market to you and Google's like all me bro and, <laughs> right and, and exactly. it's, it's amazing and you say about that last click and I find it fascinating so so let's as far as the clients you deal with you know what what do you think surprises them the most when they're set up and they're set up the right way do you, does it surprise them things they thought were doing really well for them or not does it surprise them how how many leads it takes to get a good lead. What do you think, what insights are you providing that are the most valuable to the businesses in which you work with? And let's be broad here. It doesn't have to be specific to an industry, just some broad strokes.
2: Yeah, I think I think generally people are uh, typically surprised at uh, what they thought was working isn't working or the thing that they have just done and run on autopilot isn't effective as what they thought. Um, or really, uh, I think they're... More than anything, they're just surprised by the joy of actually knowing where the phone calls are coming from because they usually are going from uh, blind or very very imperfect, murky uh, insight into you know 2020 vision, and I think they're just surprised at how great that can be uh, and how informative it can be. I think the other thing that they they often find uh, is kind of the next step, and this is where AI is really going to change the world uh, in conversational data. Is that they will find that they've done all this work to generate these high quality leads that are high value and they got them as efficiently as possible. And then what happened next? Yeah. Like there's there's two eternal problems. I talk about this all the time. I'm a product person and talk about this all the time with our team is there's sort of two eternal problems. How do I get more good leads efficiently? And how do I make sure that they convert into good quality customers, right? And you're always going to be optimizing on those two things. It's yep. like golf. You never win, right? You just get, hopefully get better. Yep. And in the, what, what I think that they get surprised by is we got all these calls. We got all these first time calls, got all these good leads. And then, uh, because in CallRail, you can, uh, you can listen to the call, you can get an AI generated transcript of the call. You can get a summary of the phone call in like 10 seconds of what happened. And then you realize, oh, the phone call is terrible, right? We're not winning the conversation. And so now, knowing they came through this ad, they clicked on this, they clicked on this link. They were on this page when they called, and there was a complete disconnect uh, from the caller and the person answering the phone to really be able to connect the dots and help make it easy for them to become customers. Yeah. Right? And so, understanding what happens on the phone call, um, one by one, sure, but really in aggregate, what's really happening on uh, a month's worth of calls or a team's worth of calls or a campaign's worth of calls, optimizing those for better quality conversations, is that other side that I think people will go, oh. I have so I have a lot more to do here.
0: Well, and I love why you said that because again, a lot of these problems are internal procedures that they place place blame on other people because they don't know any better. Right. And a lot of times, and again, I'm not saying we are a perfect advertising medium, it doesn't exist. If there was something that I can sell that would always work, I promise you I would have a different job. Right. Okay? Right? Like so, but but at the same time, a lot of times we find out that it's these companies are not listening to people, they're not optimizing. Like, you know, they want you to go to a website, but they don't realize that 80% of people are going on their phone, the phone's not scaling for web. I mean, there's a million ways why. And unfortunately, it is so much more complicated to run business than it used to be. It used to be yellow page, open ad, call phone number, done. That's the end of the process. And because there's only six competitors, it doesn't even matter. Nowadays, People who aren't even competing are competing. There used to be eight ways to advertise. There's 250 ways to advertise nowadays. And unfortunately, on top of that, the the concept of trust is diminishing as day as days go by, right? Like they they don't trust the mediums. We don't trust corporations anymore. Now we don't trust right. the internet. We don't trust social media. But we feel like we have to use these things. Right. Um. So I think when you look at your own marketing procedures and policies, it has to look inside first. Are you set up to take the increased volume or efficiency that comes with these things. If you are not, pause what you're doing, fix your internal systems, understand it's going to take time, money, training, self-awareness. You probably have to fire some people. You probably have to hire some people. You probably have to delegate some jobs. But if you're not set up for it, you are not going to succeed. So I think that you have also the advantage of you're working as a report card and an optimization tool. Now, the question I have for you, when you tell an owner – you're doing a really bad job of this. <laughs> what do they say? Because I, those experiences have not been pleasant in my experience. Uh, what do they do when they come to the fact like, oh my God, I train people who are throwing my money in the, might as well light it on fire throwing the garbage because that's what they're doing.
2: I think that most people are happy to know, what, to finally understand what's wrong, right? Uh, it's one you're, of the... You're dealing with different people than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is, is that it's software. So I'm not the one personally it telling That's what them thank it is. That's God. What it is. Right. But I, I will say that, I mean, half of our business is made up of agencies. And what the agencies will do is they'll say, hey, we went and got you these leads. And the business owners, like, well, they're not converting. And it's like, well, we've got the calls right here. Let's listen to them. And that proof in the pudding of, you can see, right? Like you have a playbook, they're not following it. Whatever it is, uh, it's, it's empirical, right? You have the, we have the receipts. Uh, And so I think that most people are, uh, it's frustrating, but it's better than not knowing, right? And if you're running a business, for goodness sakes, right? You're not trying, you're not, hopefully you're not phoning it in. You want to get better. You want to improve. You want to become more efficient and grow. And so most people are just happy to have insight.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things you said that's really important is, is you're looking at it as the aggregate. You're looking at data as the aggregate. You're not looking at Susie and saying, Susie, you're the worst call you've ever seen. You're looking at an aggregate of all of it because people have bad days, man. Let's be honest. Like You have a bad day. You're pissed off. You had something emotionally happen to you. The caller said something. There's a million things. It's not a one-on-one thing. It is on the aggregate. Right. Now. If you ask a business owner, he probably does think about it as that one call. And like, sure. don't screw this up because this is potential. You know, but again, every business works differently. Some, all they want you to do is get the appointment. So someone can get out to your house with a little bit more skill or finesse in those things. Um, so... Look, I think it's great, and I think after the break, what I really want to touch on is is let's talk a little bit more about the tech and where how it evolves and how it becomes part of of the everyday marketing conversation. Because again, like there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there BSing you. There's a lot of people giving you false bill of goods. There's a lot of people that are promising things that they have no right promising, and there's a lot of lack of empowerment in these industries where the guy at the top who's making the decisions doesn't get that information down to the guy at the bottom. He's just selling a good and right. service. And that's that's a lot of disconnect there. Um, so b- before we head out, um, because we didn't even ask, say your position at CallRail and just 30 seconds on what your day-to-day is like.
2: Yeah, I'm the VP of product at CallRail. I'm coming up on my seven-year anniversary. I was the first external product person that they hired in and have grown with the company. Uh, 10x. Since then, my day to day is uh, helping uh, helping product people and engineers understand uh, the problems that we want to go and solve, uh, prioritizing those, and then uh, going and helping people build really good solutions. Awesome. We'll be right back. You listen to the Marketing Madmen on Extra
3: 106.3. Right now, American heroes are in some of the most dangerous places on earth, risking their lives to protect our freedom. But there are a forgotten group of heroes here at home. They face fear, loneliness, and despair, the ever-present threat of losing a loved one. These are the brave sons and daughters of the U.S. military, and they are heroes too. American Bible Society brings the hope and comfort of God's Word to the kids that need it most. Honor a hero and donate today at AmericanBible.org slash hero.
1: Every three minutes, a person in the U.S. is diagnosed with a blood cancer like leukemia, lymphoma, or myeloma, blood cancers that often require patients to endure difficult treatments that leave them feeling weak, cold, and isolated. Subaru of Gwinnett is here to help. Since 2016, Subaru has partnered with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, a cause that FAN has been proud to support for over 24 years. And in the month of June, through our Subaru Loves to Care initiative, we're continuing our partnership with LLS to give even more to patients and their families. Subaru, more than a car company. Visit SubaruofGwinnett.com to learn more. Now back to the Marketing Madmen on
0: Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Nick Constantino here and I am sitting with Jason Tatum, not of the Boston Celtics. By the way, are you an NBA guy? I am. Okay, so what what are we looking at this year? Celtics made some moves. Uh, the Bucks made some moves. What do you think's going to happen?
2: Uh, only thing that I hope doesn't happen is uh, the Celtics don't win a championship because my life just gets a little bit worse if they do. I need Jason Tatum to not be a household name. He is that good, man. I'm not going to lie, and people, I think most
0: of the country don't even doesn't even know how good he is yet uh, because you just don't make guys that are six foot eleven that can play like that. So anyway. So let's talk CallRail a little bit more. So one of the things, AI is is very divisive right now, right? And divisive and because it's like it's either going to save the world's problems or it's completely worthless. Nobody realized that there's a happy medium or that it's been going on for a dozen years. It's just now all of a sudden it's made its way into the lexicon. So my quick two thoughts on AI. One, AI is only as good as the inputs in which it is given. Okay? All it is doing is algorithmically putting data together and scouring to put together solutions. So if you look nowadays, uh, command prompt operators are some of the most in-demand jobs because you have to tell it what to do for it to know on the back. So... If you think you're just plugging information into AI and just bad information, you're just going to get bad answers. You're just going to get bad outputs from the inputs. The other one is the intellectual property thing is real and it's going to be a real problem because all it's doing right now is scouring all the information on the web, not knowing if it's free or copy protected or not. Right. So I'll give you an example want impressionist painting of this. Okay. Well, it's still looking to Van Gogh and to to Monet to pull what they did and then using that skill to make its own thing. So is that intellectual property? I don't know. It's going to get really messy though. So from your standpoint, we're talking about how AI can transcribe a calls and put summaries. Okay. How much has that technology advanced? How much in the past two years has advanced? And how do we how do we manage it in the future? Because the next thing people are going to say is, well, why wouldn't I just have AI make these phone calls? Why would I have a person make these phone calls? I have a whole other thought on that, but how's it advanced in the past year or so, and where do you see it going for for how you guys do business?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the fun thing about CallRail is that uh, we didn't just get into the AI space; we've been working in it for I don't know five six years now. Uh, so we've been learning and growing as as things have developed and been really close to uh, those that are leading in the uh, research area. Uh, the thing that's really changed is that several years ago uh, out of out of one I think it was deep brain, uh, one of the big research uh, labs uh, they kind of cracked how to go and do how to do large language models. They figured it out, they figured out the process and once they figured that out, a lot of those people broke off into these other, firms. And that's why we're seeing now, a few years later, you're seeing the the um, the seeds that were planted are really starting to bloom. And that's why it feels like this is sort of an all of a sudden thing. But it's really been growing and uh, hit a tipping point when OpenAI had the insight of, hey, let's let's wrap a uh, chat bot on our uh, large language model, and then we're off to the races, right? Now, the really fascinating thing about where we are in the ai space is that there's this huge focus on how do we use chat gpt how do we use text-based large language models and you'll see a lot of software companies that will take just like a they'll take a a wrapper of a chat bot chat gpt slap it on their uh their tool and call it ai right but what they're going to find out is is that they don't know how to engineer the prompts there's nothing tailored or opinionated about that and so customers find out really quickly that it's actually not that helpful it sounds cool but it's actually not going to help me run my business more fast. It's not going to help me optimize and get more leads.
0: I bet that or they go the other way where they try to control it too much and it's not actually scouring for the right information and it's just giving them the answers like, call it this time, like right. that, that kind of thing. It's, no one's in the middle, which is where you're supposed to be.
2: It's not going to really it's not going to really help you do the thing that you really care about, which is get more leads and convert them to customers. And so uh, the, the space that we're really in is this fascinating intersection where what we are really uh, deep on is the conversational data, the voice data, right? So where do the best phone calls ha- – where do the best conversations happen? Do they happen on a web form or in a text message or in a chat bot? No, they happen uh, in person or over the phone. And so being able to analyze these rich conversations is going to be so much more insightful. And uh, with through some of our AI partners, we've been able to – uh to to really experiment and test uh practical solutions uh and see what really resonates for customers things like give me the next best steps generate that list for me give me a scorecard the scorecard is incredible you can actually uh get a scorecard of a phone call with coaching tips and it will not just tell you uh here's what you said wrong or not. It'll actually give you EQ advice. It'll yeah. say things like,
0: like tone and you have your tone. Yes. And, and, and yeah, cause I can imagine like that's one of the biggest problems is it's not always how you, it's how the information is delivered, not say the information. Are mm-hmm. you being, uh, do you, are you showing emotional intelligence? Are you showing all of those things? And again, that's trendy now, right? right. The emotional intelligence score. I mean, look, I, uh, it, like most things in life, I'm, a f- I'm fond of it, but I think we've gone absolutely overboard. Sure, right? Like You cannot train people around emotional things if they don't have the intelligence to sell the product in the first place, so it's secondary, but how is AI hearing inflection in the voice? How is it picking these things up? Are we at that point yet where it's listening to a conversation and going like, look, the aggressive tone you took
2: was too much here's what to do? Are we there? Absolutely, we are there. Uh, we can do sentiment grading on a pretty fine-tuned scale. Uh, we can actually. Oh man, it would hate me. <laughs> we can it actually get. Ha- yeah, I know, right? We can actually give you. Uh, we can feed in context. Right, and now this is all tip of the spear things, sure. Right, and so we're in the. But process. tip of the spear makes its way down to the masses pretty damn quickly. In That's this right. World. Yeah, we're productizing those for the masses now. We've actually be able to feed in context, like a sales playbook, uh, or a, a a legal book, or whatever, and it'll actually give you coaching and advice and steps based on the context that it was fed. Right. Right. So those are the inputs. So if you have your own coaching guide of what you know works, then
0: all of a sudden now you're grading people on a scale of what you know already works. So if you right. have twenty years, let's call it. 10 months of data and in that data you have uh, you have found that the highest conversion rate is associated with this kind of call then you could give coaching advice based on what you know is the best kind of call that's so crazy. it's not based on whimsy from the internet it's based on actual data that has showed to generate the highest value customer yes that's pretty crazy and that's what again that overcomes it because you're you're not stealing intellectual property you are using your own data to fine tune your own policies which is again that is what I want here. That's where we're going, because right now it's just the Wild West. But if you can use those tools, then
2: I all of a sudden becomes a lot less scary. That's right. And let me tell you the best part about this. So in July, just in July, uh, at the beginning of the year, maybe February, March, I could do this on a call by call basis. I could get all of these insights on a call by call. That's cool. Uh, scalable, maybe not as much. Uh, But then in July, I could get 10 calls or 10 files at a time, 10 hours at a time. Now I can get 1,000 at a time. That's how quickly things are developing. And let me tell you. But that's the purpose, right?
0: Large language modeling is just scaling up. It's learning from itself and growing out. That's why people are always scared of the machines uprising because it keeps
2: learning and learning and using previous data to build and build. But here's what we can do. We can take uh, a month's worth of a business's phone calls and analyze... Across all of them, and pull out insights that are not just here's coaching for your all of these calls, or here's scorecard or action steps. But here are keywords. Here are long tail keywords that are being used. Here is natural language copy that we could recommend for you to use on your marketing campaigns to exactly. have a better connection uh, with those that you're trying to market to. Uh, th- these are insights. Uh, in aggregate from conversations that are completely unmineable today. There's no scale uh, to, to doing that today, and we are – we are, we are there.
0: Amazing. And the best part is now you are a predictor for success of future marketing. So not only grading the success for the current marketing you have, but you're optimizing the future marketing. Right. Well, I, I can't imagine a much better place to end than on that note. So, uh, Jason, I appreciate it, brother. Uh, CallRail.com. Check out the information. How do they go about finding you?
2: Yeah, CallRail.com. Sign up for a free trial. Get in now. Start testing our Conversation Intelligence suite. It's only going to get better. You get e- first access uh, to test the things that we're going to make uh, make available to the masses in the next year. Awesome. Appreciate it, brother. You listen to the marketing madman on Extra
0: 1063.
3: Right now, American heroes are in some of the most dangerous places on earth, risking their lives to protect our freedom. But there are a forgotten group of heroes here at home. They face fear, loneliness, and despair, the ever present threat of losing a loved one. These are the brave sons and daughters of the U.S. military, and they are heroes too. American Bible Society brings the hope and comfort of God's Word to the kids that need it most. Honor a hero and donate today at AmericanBible.org slash hero.
1: Every three minutes, a person in the U.S. is diagnosed with a blood cancer like leukemia, lymphoma, or myeloma, blood cancers that often require patients to endure difficult treatments that leave them feeling weak, cold, and isolated. Subaru of Gwinnett is here to help. Since 2016, Subaru has partnered with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, a cause that FAN has been proud to support for over 24 years. And in the month of June, through our Subaru Loves to Care initiative, we're continuing our partnership with LLS to give even more to patients and their families. Subaru, more than a car company. Visit
0: SubaruofGwinnett.com to learn more. More. Have you thought about securing your hard-earned assets? Do you have concerns about the future? Protecting assets is crucial, and that's where Nelson Elder Care Law excels. As a family-owned and family-focused firm, we provide absolute assurance and peace of mind through our trademarked Absolute Protection Trust, tailored services in estate planning, probate administration, Medicaid crisis solutions, guardianship and conservatorship. Our goal is to exceed your expectations and empower informed decisions. Visit nelsoneldercarelaw.com for asset protection and peace of mind.